Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Leek. Today, I have a special guest from the real world, Key West, one of the seasons that I did watch. Janelle, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. I just want to say before we start, happy anniversary. Yay. Oh, thank you. Yes, I know it was yesterday. I feel so bad. I actually forgot my husband (laughs) was the one that reminded me it was our wedding anniversary uh, I just wanted to say that I saw that this morning I think this morning I saw that I was like oh that's so dope I just love to see couples thriving thank you thank you yeah it's no it's it's been a quick eight years I'll tell you that much I yeah. can't believe it. it's already been eight years to be honest that's a blessing that is definitely a blessing it is it really is so I'm going to ask you my first question I want to say thank you again for coming on the mental health podcast and my first question for you is How is your mental health? I would say my mental health is pretty good. Um, I think, you know, I kind of consider mental health like any area of the body, like it always needs work. You know, it it always requires you to constantly be putting energy into it. So I, I always see room for improvement. But it is something that is very important to me. And it's something that I value. It is one of my core values. Um, And so it's something that I do put a lot of energy and time into. Um, So I I do consider my mental health to be really good. But I'm also human. And I also feel like I'm, you know, a a work in progress even at 40 years old. So um, I always can see room for improvement when it comes to my own mental health yeah um and you don't look 40 just to let you know I like to ask that question because I feel like um I could be struggling or you could be struggling right and we'll see you know most of us like when we ask how are you doing we always say okay but sometimes we really don't be okay but when you ask somebody how's your mental health that opens up a deeper conversation to say like, hey, I'm not okay, but mentally I'm struggling, you know, you know, I'm going through this. So thank you again for answering that question. Thank you. Thank so, you. No problem. My next question for you is growing up, was it okay not to be okay? Um, yes and no. I think as a female, growing up in a kind of a very traditional household in terms of like gender roles. Um, I felt like it was okay to not be okay. But at the same time, I don't think my parents, especially they were, I mean, they weren't incredibly young parents, but they were in their twenties when they had me. I don't think they had the wherewithal to really see moments and times where I wasn't okay and to respond in an appropriate manner. And I just think some of that really just comes with maturity and age. And, you know, I had my kids later in life. I had my kids mid thirties, Yeah, my son, late thirties. And uh, for me, you know, especially because I feel like we're kind of in, we're kind of this generation where we talk about emotional intelligence and we really, you know, I feel like, I feel like we're the generation that's really allowing kids to express and sit in their emotions. Um, a lot of the, the Instagram pages that I follow, they really sort of preach that. And it feels like that's where a lot of like psychology and sociology is focused, at least, you know, from what I see. And it's been good for me because it's really taught me to tap into my children's emotions. So in that sense, I do feel like there were opportunities where I wish my parents would have allowed that for me or would have given me that or would have seen certain things that I was going through. Um, but my parents were also going through their own shit, you know, so that, that was a whole other thing, you know, um, my father, sadly for most of his young adult life had a drug addiction. 
Yeah. Um, and my mother was just kind of, you know, raising two kids predominantly as like a single mother at times, you know, my dad was kind of in and out of the house. Like we didn't, sometimes we just, we wouldn't see him for weeks. Um, sometimes for months. Um, so, you know, going through all that, they had their own stuff and, you know, but of course that's trauma. That's there's a lot of trauma that comes when you're, you know, a child and you're seeing your parents going through this and your father, the dynamic, you know, of having a parent that's drug addicted and then a mother that's, you know, trying to hold on to the family. So there was a lot of trauma that came with that. Um, but I think because they were really dealing with their own, that situation, it, it really kind of took away from really sort of helping us with the trauma it created. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause like mine is not like, just like that, but I don't remember like, you know, my grandma raised me from, took me from the hospital and like my mom and dad was on drugs. Like my mom got clean and everything, but like, like in and out of my life, my dad was in and out of jail, you know, um, doing drugs. I remember like a couple of years ago, like I had to, like after losing my mom, to liver cancer in 2019 and I had to tell him like yo like you know he was like back on drugs I'm like what are you doing like like mm-hmm. my brother me like my mom got other kids but me and my brother got the same day I was like um you I thought I was basically told him I see too old to be doing that stuff now like now you're not how you was when you was younger like that stuff can really kill you and stuff like that. you know we just lost our mom we ain't trying to bury another parent you know so I kind of yeah I get, I get what you're saying when you talk about that part yeah. And it's a really sad thing. And when you're young and you're, you have a parent that's like that, at least for me, I didn't have, I knew that some of my friends now had parents in similar situations, but we didn't talk about it. And so I, I felt like I was the only kid dealing with this, you know, that every other family was quote unquote normal. Yeah. And so I felt very isolated And I just thought my dad was horrible. Like, I just was like, you were like, I just thought it was just the worst thing being young. And I, cause I didn't understand his own mental health. I didn't understand his own struggle. I, 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 there's no way I couldn't have understood that I was too young to to understand that. But now as a grown adult, like I have so much more compassion and sympathy for him and his own childhood and his own traumas and his own experiences. And my dad, I mean, he grew up in a, my grandparents were pretty like well-to-do. Yeah. And um, I mean, I would say he probably had a, a really great upbringing, but he was also, I think kind of overlooked when it came to just like being a middle child, he, his older brother, you know, top of top of his class and everything smart I mean just smart as a whip you know ended up going to medical school every medical school was seeking him out and I think my dad always felt like the black sheep and that's what my mom would tell me so I think that kind of led him down this life of being a little bit of a rebel yeah and um, you know looking back I don't fault my dad for his life and his experiences Um, But it has really taught me to be a good parent because just like you were asking, you know, is it okay to, you know, to express feelings when I was young? Um, I think of like certain times where like I might have been going through something and I can remember like my dad, especially just kind of like even my mom, like I remember one time expressing something about some kids at school and it felt very intense to me that were like you know making fun of me and being you know being very mean and I just remember her response was just very like you know not get over it but you know she just I felt almost ignored you know and I think you know those experiences I there's so many of them that I look back and I can remember And for me, now that I have children, I'm so much more cognizant of those little things I say, because one of those things could stick and it only takes one to stick and then create that sort of memory for that child where it's ingrained in their head. Like my mom doesn't care or my mom doesn't listen or my whatever it is. Um, 
So, you know, um, but I, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, um, in terms of just like, you know, my father and seeing what he's gone through, it's, it's so different, so much different as an adult to look back and say, okay, okay, I can sympathize with him. Yeah. And then to now raise my own kids and to have that experience and to, you know, ultimately let it transform my parenting. I do have a question for you, right? I, this is crazy. This is because your question just came, the, the podcast version just came to my mind, right? You talked about how, like, kids, you know, when you were younger, um, were being mean to you, right? Um, like, what do you instill you in your kids today? Because, you know, like, I always say, like, like you say you're 40, I'm 33. I guess back in high school was different like as it is today, you know, with the mm-hmm. book or just picking on somebody, you know, um I was reading a story and I, it like broke my heart I don't even know the kid it's this guy he lost his son his 13 year old died by suicide because he was getting picked on at school and I always ask parents like you know what are you doing or like telling your kids teaching your kids to if they're being bullied like you know because I most of us you know got bullied when we was younger but it's mm-hmm. like with the different ages now in the, the world that we in now like it breaks my heart that a 13 year old, 12 year old, a 10 year old, you know, suicide comes to their mind. Oh my gosh. It's so heartbreaking. And where are they even getting this idea from? Like, I can't even fathom. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to hear, you know, that kids are even going through half of the things they're going through nowadays. But as a parent, I do feel like I, I, have to work even harder to instill positive mental health, positive, you know, um, emotion, uh, emotional intelligence into my kids so that they feel secure and resilient to enter into the world. And so for me, some of the things that I do, um, for one, I always acknowledge my kids' emotions. And I think that that is one of the biggest things as a parent that you can do. Um, because helping children name their emotions helps them to work through their emotions. Yeah. So, and, and even helping them to understand like whatever emotion you're dealing with, it's going to come and it's going to go. Yeah. And that's, I think the saddest thing about suicide is that, you know, a lot of the emotions that I think come up for people during suicide, those emotions come and go that the, that feeling of I don't want to be here is something that comes but then it leaves but when you're in the moment of course you react right and that's we react with everything in life you know it's like if we're feeling sad we have certain reactions if we're feeling mad we have certain reactions and how do you take those re how do you take that feeling and hone it in into something that could potentially be positive you know so the first thing I really help my children and, and my son is really struggling right now because he's three and he's, he's been kind of struggling for a while with his emotions and it's fine. This is just normal sort of three-year-old behavior. Like he hit, he hits a lot and he mainly just hits me, but I know that that's because he feels comfortable with me. Yeah. Um, at school, he's a perfect little angel, <laughs> but here in the house, you know, he's constantly grabbing me, hitting me. And I, it's, I'm sort of, I feel like his little uh, um, emotional punching bag. And I, I allow him to an extent to do that, but he also knows like that isn't safe and mommy's backing away. Yeah. So, but I do want him to feel safe to get, get this out and know, and for him to know, I love you no matter what. And so um, I, I really do try to create this safe zone for my kids so that they know that they can express and say anything to me. Um, so that's one thing. I also try to provide my kids alternatives to dealing with their anger. So acknowledge or not just anger, their emotions. So one, helping them to name their emotions Two, helping them to sort of navigate through their emotions. Um, what are, and I'll, and I'll ask my kids, especially my oldest, my daughter, Scarlett, who's five. Yeah. Um, 
I say, you know, when we're really frustrated, what are some things you think we could do to help us when we're frustrated? You know, and she'll name some ideas and I'll name some ideas. And so we'll be like, oh, you know, maybe we could stomp our feet. You know, maybe that can help us get our angers out. Or maybe we can go on a walk or maybe we can run or, you know, whatever it is so that she knows these are all the safe things you can do when you're angry. Um, and then we list things that we shouldn't do when we're angry. We shouldn't hit people. Yeah. We shouldn't bite. We shouldn't yell. Um, so, you know, we kind of go over these things that are, that I consider and that we consider appropriate. Um, um, and then another thing, and I really just started doing this because my daughter is now school age and we are actually beginning to see the beginnings of clicks kids being mean i don't want to go as far as saying bullying because they're so young um but um i'm my daughter currently was recently dealing with a situation with two young girls they they all are in aftercare together yeah they're the only three girls that are in aftercare together and my daughter was coming home and continuously saying that the one little girl was rude and so you know we me and my husband were just you know listening um, but you know, I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, okay, they're five girls. Yeah. Um, but not to put off her feelings or anything, because again, like those are big feelings for kids, right? Even though for us, we're like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna disagree with the friend, not a big deal. So um eventually she started sharing that, you know, the girl was screaming at her, saying she didn't want to be her friend. And I could tell my daughter was really hurt by this, and she would usually tell it to me at nighttime in bed. And that was, that was, that was often the time that me and her would connect about like certain things, especially at school. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would ask her to tell, tell me, you know, how do you feel just listening first, just listening. I think that's the number one thing as parents we could probably do better at. Um, and as people, right. Just listening, yeah. just yeah. having a listening ear. Yeah. So try to so, just listen. Yeah, it's just listen. Sometimes people don't aren't really looking for feedback. Yeah. Mm. And so um I would listen. I would listen to her. I would really listen to her. And before I would say anything, I would tell her, you can always talk to me and I'll always listen. Um, but then here I was, like I was I'm literally heartbroken hearing my child feeling like. I don't have friends. These girls don't want to be friends with me. And I could just feel how painful it was for her. So, so, you know, as a parent and, and I will admit that I, it's my personality. I can be, be very, um, like I can, I can kind of get into a little bit of a helicopter mode with my kids. You know, they're your kids, right? You want to protect them. And so, um, I, my immediate response was like, I'm going to go to the school. I'm going to figure out what's going on here. I'm going to call these parents, but, uh, you know, like that was kind of my immediate response. And so I did go to the school. They explained to me like, Oh yeah, there's just kind of this weird dynamic going on right now with the two other girls are being really clicky and they're, you know, they're leaving Scarlett out of playtime. And they're like, and they're like, it's not just Scarlett. They're being like this with all the kids and we're, we're actually really trying to address it right now. We won't even let the two girls play together at this point. Wow. So yeah, it was weird because when I, um, I, I think it was kind of just one little girl who's really sort of kind of like the ringleader of this like thing that was going on at school. Yeah. So my initial response was protect, right? Yeah. And I listen to several podcasts in the morning, mainly all parenting. Um, and it coincidentally that morning, there was this podcast and it had, it really didn't have to do with this subject, Yeah. but the person said something like as parents, the best thing we can do instead of protect our kids is to prepare them for life. And it was like an aha moment for me. I was like, oh my God, like, this is so true. So this brings me to one of the other ways 
in addition to the ways I've listed that I feel like I help prepare my kids for the world is usually in the morning on the way to school, or even if we're here in the house, sometimes I role play with my kids Hmm. or like I'll throw a scenario out there to them and I'll see what they, and and we'll kind of like troubleshoot how to navigate through situations. Yeah. So we can be on the way to school and I'll just think something up like, Hey, Scarlett, you know, what if we are, you know, on the play structure outside and we're playing with our best friend and we see another little kid standing by us and he looks very shy and he looks like he wants to play with us, but he just doesn't know how to ask. What do you think we should do? And I let her work her way through that scenario. And it's my way as a parent where I feel like I can allow her to sort of navigate through a situation and see what, you know, what would you do, you know, but also to really kind of help her and help her to understand the importance of including people and just, you know, different stuff. We talk about all different difference. I'll, I'll throw out, I'll throw out a bunch of different stuff to her. And so I think it's, this is a, and and especially, you know, she's five and this is still kind of a time where I know that I can be very impressionable upon her and her mind. And so this has really helped me to really help her navigate through these situations. And in terms of this current one, I was like, you know, say you're on the playground and someone yells at you and they say, I do not want to play with you. What do you think is the best thing we can do? I try not to focus too much on the two girls because I also don't want to pit these two girls against my, my daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I instead leave it sort of open to what if a kid, you know, any kid does this, what can we do? And so I've really found that this has really helped her to really navigate real life situations that happen or had happen at her age. Um, and it's been something that ever since I heard that podcast I've been doing. And I also kind of start our day off with preparing them for a good day. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to have a good day today, no matter what happens. I'm like, what are we going to do if we do, if we're in this situation, but also like, let's, let's just promote having a good day. Like, yeah. putting ourselves in a positive space, knowing that we're going to school, listening. And so that's like also something I really try to do in the morning too, to just kind of promote like a good start to the day. That's it's so, good yeah, logic. that's a good logic. That's like really, really good. I was, when you were saying it, I was like, wow, that's like a good way. I have to share, share that with my cousin. Well, that's some good logic. That's a good way of thinking. Wow. Oh, that's so dope. So I'm just mesmerized. That was like really, I didn't think of, you know, some of us grow up differently. So we think differently or just handle stuff a certain way. But when you, when you like said that, I was like, oh, wow, that's so dope. And I could definitely share that with like people. I know like a lot of girls that I know that are single parents, they may be dealing with that. I could definitely share that, share that with them. Thank you for that. Oh yeah. And I mean, also there's so many good podcast parenting podcasts out there. Like I don't claim to know everything. I literally feel like I get a lot of good parenting advice from listening to other people's experiences and how they've navigated through it and what's worked and what hasn't. And I feel like podcasts are such and and, you know, that's why I'm here on your podcast. I really do support um, podcasts because I think there's such a great way of putting out information. And if you can just take one small little nugget of information from someone that could potentially help you well then that's huge yeah I always say that not like well most of the people I have on some well I always tell people I'm not a mental health professional but these conversations can help somebody that's listening you know no matter you know where you at in your walk of life you know what you're going through it could be that one thing somebody says in a conversation that can really help you like spark yourself to want to do better or just get your mental health in check or just like you know tips like for coping skills or just anything like that Oh yeah. So I definitely agree with that. Um, my next question for you, right? There is a stigma surrounding mental health, right? But um, there's also a stigma surrounding women's mental health. You know, I was just having a conversation with somebody today about this. Um, 
they say, you know, especially mothers and just one woman, just like you got this, you know, you're a woman, y'all hold down a household, you know, y'all go through, you know, y'all give birth to kids and y'all go through a lot. And people look at women's mental health like they're just being a woman. They got this. Like, what do you say to that stigma out there? Yeah, um, it's interesting because I do think that that is 100% exists. And, um, you know, what I would say is, you know, I think we really honestly have to really understand like that the role of a woman has changed dramatically over the years. You know, we are now work, you know, most of us are in the workforce. You know, I myself am a full-time nurse. Um, we're raising kids. We have a household we're trying to run, um, potentially married or in relationships. And it's a lot. It is a lot of weight on one shoulder. I will say when I had my daughter, um, that realization really hit me because, um, for one, she came early, she was preemie. So she was in a NICU. So we had some additional challenges. And for two, I just did not know how hard it was going to be having a child. Like, I think that's another thing that we really overlook is the mental health of new parents, especially new moms. Um, You know, we have all sorts of hormones surging through our body. And it is just a huge shift and a huge change in your life. And you're expected to be happy about this new baby. And you're expected to, to, you know, exude this whole, you know, persona. And I feel like we all feel this pressure to do it, you know, when really deep down inside, you know, we could be feeling another way. I'll never forget my my uh, gynecologist actually uh, came over to see the baby because I, I I actually work with her as well. Yeah. And um, she came to my house and she was like, well, how are things going? And I just wanted to just break down with her and say they're going horribly. Like I yeah. like literally am ready to like just jump off of a ledge right now. Mm-hmm. But like the one person who I should have been able to tell my gynecologist was yeah. like the one per- like I just couldn't. I felt like I had to hold it together. Like I felt that pressure that like, I really had to just power through this, that all women have done it since the beginning of time. And Janelle, you got to do it too, you know? And so I, I was actually, there was a lot of other things that I was dealing with. Like breastfeeding was a struggle for me. Scarlet being new was a struggle, you know, just being, being a preemie. That was a struggle. Um, the thought of having like, you know, having to go back to work and find childcare, that was, yeah. you know, it's just, there's just so many stressors coming from so many directions. Um, you're not sleeping, you know, you're barely eating, showering. So, you know, eventually I saw the light at the end of the tunnel after a few months, but those initial months were very, very rough for me. And I felt like I had to just like hold it together. And so it's a real thing. And, um, I don't think it's something that we talk enough about because, you know, we live in this world, especially now than ever with social media, where you just have to always appear like you have your shit together. Yes. You know, no one ever posts vulnerable. I mean, people, some people do, but like even vulnerable posts sometimes sometimes seem a little bit misleading. Like, oh, you know, this is a vulnerable post. And, and sometimes it could just be for likes and attention. Um, yeah. But to, to really go through things and struggle, sometimes you feel alone because you, you know, it's not something that people like to show. So um, it can be very difficult. Um, And for that reason, I really do try to actually be as supportive as I can to new mothers, especially friends, because I know the struggle myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, The next, before we get to the next question, um, I want to, before I answer the question, I'm going to share 
like my experience was like, you know, we're going to go to the topic of suicide. Um, anybody there that's struggling, they talk suicide or the suicide ideation, there is a um, suicide prevention number out there. The number is 988. That is an easy number to dial. I mentioned this in all my episodes because um, if you're out there struggling, they are available 365 days. You could be bored, lonely, sad, upset. They are there. Um, there is a mental organization called NAMI that's everywhere around the world, different um, chapters everywhere. They have free online support groups. I know everybody loves free. I love free. Free online support groups is not intended to replace therapy, even though I can um, suggest people get into therapy. Like that is a must. But my question for you, right, is have you ever dealt with any thoughts of suicide, any thoughts of just not want to be here, or any deep, dark depression? I'll answer first. Um, as a child, I was sexually abused by two of my male cousins. Um, I didn't start to fully deal with it. I guess I was acting out as a child because I never told nobody. I was like, my therapist always told me like I was protecting everybody else. When I say nothing, what happened, I was protecting everybody else but myself. So I dealt with that as a child. I mean, as, as I got older, I started dealing with, you know, not trusting men, having men issues, being uncomfortable around men. Then I lost my mom in 2019. To liver cancer, this nine months later, lost my sister. And, you know, my grandma died in 2007. She raised me. That was like my heart right there. Like, I love her. But um, I thought with suicide, you know, still to this day, a lot of people, like, people that follow me know, but people that don't really know, like, I still deal with those. Two, like, like, a couple of days ago or yesterday, I was just so didn't want to be. I was just sitting in my desk at work. And I just, I just like don't want to be here. Like, I hate what I'm going through. I hate this moment. But, um, I want to say, people, if you're struggling, please, 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 please talk to someone, um, somebody that you trust. And remember, not everybody understands mental health, and that's okay, but make sure you talk to somebody that you can trust, somebody that's going to listen. Sometimes we don't need a problem fixer. We don't need nobody to solve a problem or try to fix, fix, fix. You know, sometimes people that, you know, don't want to be here, they feel like they're not listened to, they're not loved, they feel like nobody understands them. So we need a little more understanding, a little more listening than trying to fix, fix, fix. Yeah. Mm, that was good. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Oh, that was really touching. Um, I feel like when someone opens their heart to you and gives you information and just gives you a piece of their life, like it's just such an endearing thing to me. Thank you. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And like, you know, just to be vulnerable, like, you know, especially as a black man, because you don't see enough black men willing to expose their vulnerabilities. Yeah. And you are really a pioneer in a way because you are showing that side, that vulnerability. And I, I commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I try, I try like, just like how you were saying earlier, like sometimes you feel like you're alone and you're not the only person going through stuff. Like, I know like recently, like a year or two ago, I, like, I thought I was the only person that was sexually abused that's actually talking about sexual abuse. And then mm-hmm. I found a group of guys, um, this guy named Robert Marshall, he has a book called Echoes. And the book is basically about, um, different men from different walks of life you know that was sexually abused they're telling their stories you know and I hate to say this but some some stories I read I'm like okay somebody had it like my somebody had it way worse than me you know sometimes I try to like just me 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 but there's other people that had it way worse or just similar that you know one story a person it was an anonymous story in a book and he was molested like five times, like one by one by his mom. And she cried, right? I'm just like, mm. it like that. I had to stop reading. I was like crying. And then you know, oh. everybody's like, you know, like Terry Crews or just other people um, talk about it. I think I had Adam on my podcast, Adam, you know, Adam. Larson. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about being sexual abused. I had Paulie California on there. He talked about it before. And it's just like, you know, it's 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 sad. Like I try to tell, like my cousin, I stay with my cousin in Delaware, and I always tell her, like, don't trust nobody around your kids. I know it's mm-hmm. bad to say that, you know, like nobody, like my grandma told me, strange and danger, but nobody ever twerk me if somebody do something to me to tell them and they will believe me. Because sometimes some parents don't believe, oh, they yeah, they guardian oh, don't believe yeah. kids. And I'm always preaching, like, 
leave your kids, talk to them, like not just stranger danger, just talk to them if somebody does something, even if the mom and dad do something, talk to like teach them that. Like it's uh, right. I know. <laughs> it's it is as a parent, it is one thing that terrifies me. And I personally have not had any growing up any issues with that. Yeah. But hearing other people talk about it really I mean hits my soul yeah I mean it hits me I mean just the thought of an innocent child you know so um it's something that I talk to my kids about it's something that that Scarlett knows very well and we talk about it but we talk about it usually at bath time yeah because that's the time where they're obviously exposed and I'm the only one there of course or or maybe dad has given them a bath but we talk about you know no one is ever supposed to touch you in this. And I'm very specific. Yeah. No one is ever supposed to touch you in your vagina. And no one's ever supposed to touch you in your penis. No one's ever supposed to touch this. And you are never supposed to touch yeah. that. And I was like, and what if someone says to you, you know what? If you tell your mom that I am X, Y, Z, you know, you say, no, yeah. my, I can talk to my mom about anything. And if you, and so we go, we go through these, just like I said, we kind of go through scenario, like like school scenarios. I kind of do the same thing in this area too. Yeah. Because, and I tell them there's tricky people out there. So um, th- it's something that I, that, you know, as a, as a parent, it definitely is something that I think about. And I, when I hear stories like this, it just breaks me, um, you know, to my core. And you, you often have to wonder what, the person who, you know, was doing these acts, what did they go through? You know, uh, like, I feel like a lot of it's, there's this cycle, right. Yeah. Where the abusers tend to have been abused, right. You hear about it all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, there's like this cycle that happens where, you know, I feel like a lot of these child predators have been victims. And yeah. so, it's like, how do you, how do we break this cycle? You know, it's such a disturbing thing, you know, especially as a parent. Yeah. Um, what you just said about what you're teaching your kids means like means a lot. That's all I try to preach to people, you know, um, you know, cause like, I don't wish that on nobody at all. Cause that messes with your self-confidence, you know, your self-esteem, depression, identity issue. It's just like so bad. So, you know, I'm thankful that you teach your kids that cause more parents should, you know, a lot of parents don't and stuff, you know, they we teach about don't talk to strangers, but that's another conversation that definitely needs to be held. And I want to say again, anybody that's struggling, you know, any deep dark depression, suicidal thoughts like there is a number out there 988 is the number i mentioned in every episode because it is important you are needed here there is a light at the end of the tunnel um and if you have a friend that's struggling you know and you need to call the suicide friendship number on them that's okay my friend always told me it's better to have a mad friend than a dear friend mm-hmm. i didn't get that at first and <laughs> now i got i got definitely get it now yes yes so my next question for you right we you know the world met you on world world key west right you've been on key west you know you are definitely a challenge champion you was on um the inferno three and the gauntlet three you won inferno and gauntlet three and you recently was on all stars i'm going to ask you mentally right how was it being on reality tv when you was on the key west inferno gauntlet than it was coming back on all stars um yeah you know it was it was a totally different experience you know i was in my 20s obviously when i did the inferno and the gauntlet and now i came back you know late 30s to do all stars so you know so much has obviously changed you know i have a career i've got a family i've got a husband um so yeah you know when i was younger and i was doing these shows it was the experience was, I would say, very straightforward. Um, I obviously won my first show, which was great. Um, my second show, I actually knew that I was not going to stay the entire time. 
okay. because I was in chemistry at the time I was preparing for, um, for, I was going back to school. Um, and I knew I knew I was going to go back to school, but it's so, it was so hard saying no to shows. And I was like, yeah, I could probably get away with being gone for a couple of weeks and then get back yeah. right before, uh, finals. I mean, this, this particular chemistry class was like super easy yeah. and I had, I was already so much more advanced in, in Ken. So, um, I went, but I was a nervous wreck the entire time. I was like literally on pins and needles, like someone's going to figure out that like, I'm going to throw this, sh this show and leave. But then I had a perfect exit out. And so I just left. And then <laughs> yeah. I realized after that, okay, you know, you cannot do any more shows. You've got to buckle down and like get your school and get like back into the groove of school. If like, you want to get your career going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fast forward to 2021 or 2020, actually, they called me for the first all-stars in at first, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I was like, no one's going to watch this show. <laughs> then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, it felt so nostalgic to see like all of these old school players. And um, I had told them when they called me for the first season that if they were going to do a second season, I would do it. Um, which, you know, was kind of a misleading thing because initially I was like told it was going to be two weeks and it ended up being like five weeks. Yeah. Uh, so coming back and doing it and from like a mental health st standpoint, I wouldn't say that during my first season, I experienced anything that I feel like strongly, you know, was related to mental health that I carry to this day. But I will say that having gone back, things have changed a lot with the challenge. Um, Initially, the challenge was very much of like a game-based show. It felt like there were rules and we followed the rules and there was really much deviation. Now it feels much more like a reality show. Um, and so going back to like what I, I mean, I thought I was, I thought I was going back to what I was doing basically, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, how long it's been. <laughs> yeah and it and it wasn't that it wasn't that it was definitely a shift in the game and how things are played and fairness isn't necessarily part of the game and that is a very hard realization if you are gonna play this game and um I almost wish that there was a little bit management of expectations when it came to that Like, hey, we do everything as best as we can to make this fair. But at the end of the day, we're filming a reality show. I think even just that little bit of information having been shared would have helped me to cope with a lot of things that I thought weren't right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so um, that, that I think, that I think is, is a huge thing. And not only for myself, but I think for most of us that come back and do this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, even up to losing like the, the final, you know, getting so close to winning and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then finding out like, all this crazy stuff that happened in the end and just you know it's really hard to not have some PTSD that follows yeah after a situation like that but then I feel like I often just have to remind myself that this is not reality and that is the biggest thing that I feel like as someone that's been on reality TV that I have to come to terms with regularly when I choose to do these shows or be a part of anything reality-based is that this is not reality. Yeah. Um, I don't, I still to this day don't know why 
decisions were made to go down the route that they did in that final, you know, episode, like in that final run of the show. Um, but was it fair? Absolutely not. Um, I think the sad thing is, is that producers don't understand. Maybe they do understand. They just don't care. I don't know what it is, but the amount of time and energy and effort that some of us put into being, just being there, being present. I mean, like they knew that, I mean, it very clear to them. I was like, I have to leave by this date. Like, yeah, I have a career. Like, this is not my life. I don't make a living being off of the show on off of the challenge. This is not my, this is not my living. <laughs> I haven't, I have a whole life at home. Yeah. And so I like, there were, there was times where they were just like, I think they felt so much pressure from me alone with the deadline. Um, but you know, that's the thing. Like, I feel like at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly giving, giving, giving when it comes to your deadline, but like, you know, in return, you know, I, I want the same respect in terms of like fairness, you know, alone. Um, but the show isn't about being fair. The show isn't about it being a game show. There's no referees there. There's no, there's no one to stop something if something isn't right. Um, the show goes on and, and how it plays out and what determining factors like that end up playing a certain situation out is it is what it is, you know? Um, so yeah, that can, that can definitely be tough. Um, also, I will say this is probably even one of the bigger things is that, and I think that this is a disputed thing that I constantly hear or see in chats or on Instagram posts is that show us what really happened. Fans are always like, show us what really happened. Why aren't you showing it exactly how it happened? Because in the original days of the real world and the challenge, things, things aired as is, right? It's like someone said something racist. Someone did something inappropriate, like pulled someone's top off. Yeah. That was gold for them. They were like, we are, this is airing. Yeah. And I think that there was a lot of good that came out of situations like that. But I'm sure that there was also a lot of backlash, especially for the production company. But, you know, some of the good that comes out of that is, you know, we learn from people's mistakes. So you see real life really playing out, right? And that's kind of what the real world and the show was originally based on and founded on was the real world. And yeah. so when we had these interactions with people, someone slapping someone in the face, someone saying something extremely inappropriate that got them kicked off the show, a fight that got them kicked off the show, they aired it. They aired all that stuff. But then, you know, you still see that you see, you see what happened and you see the repercussions. Nowadays, it's like so-and-so had to go and everyone's like, well, what happened to her? No one knows what, no one knows the backstory. No one knows what happened. And so I don't, I mean, this is a hard one for me because yeah. as a viewer, yeah, I see the good in it because I do see that they really want this to be a family show. They want to be able to air on, you know, public tv and, and so i see that i do see the direction and why they've taken it this way yeah but um as a player i yeah, see i see it the other way time. you've been on a, yeah I, you through the you know the old the old seasons and the new season so you definitely have a better eyes view <laughs> than the yes uh, as a player though i see it as a different way because as a player 
when you are dealing with some of the stuff you're dealing with on the show, especially when it comes to other cast members, and they may paint a certain image of a cast member a certain way because they know that they cannot air stuff that they've done because it looks so bad. Then you present to the world that this person is one way when really they're a whole other way. And so um, it's going to be interesting because um, I feel like in the very near future, I'm going to be talking about some things I personally went through on, on uh, <clears throat> reality TV. I, that I can't really talk about now, but it's going to be in really specific to this sort of situation where, you know, people may only see one side because, and it's not even like the network is trying to, or, or the production company is trying to protect someone. I think it's just, they can't show things anymore. They cannot show certain things that they involve race or domestic violence or violence. You know what I mean? Because then there's huge ramifications. Um, so that's for me what I think was even more of a mind F than say just like the game itself is like, and, and, and for me, what probably has been for me a decision, like, I don't know if I'll ever come back to this game because first off, I'm too grown to be dealing with some shit. Yeah. I'm too grown to be dealing with other people's grown other grown people shit so you know i'm here to play a game like i'm all about the game but if you but if you know i'm not here to do all some all this messy mess stuff on the side you know so that for me was like kind of like the part of the game where i was like okay this has changed so much like watching it airing it finally airing and like i initially thinking to myself like oh this this person is gonna look a hot mess on tv and they're going to show all the stuff that they did to all of us. And it's not going to be good. And then Aaron's just like, hmm. Yeah, that's not, not, none of that happened that way. So let's put a pin in there. I know, I kind of think I know what you talk about. And I can't give my opinion while I was recording, but I want to say that um, the only, what you said, something that you said that I really respect, you said, and somebody else that's part of that challenge world, well, the OG world, challenge world, said that this is not their life. They have, you know, you got your own life and stuff like that. The fact that you said that you had to go to that chemistry class in school, I commend you for that. Because when reality TV is gone, what do you have left to fall back on? Right? Mm-hmm. You're a nurse, you know, a mom, a wife, you're doing your thing. But I, res- I respect that. When you said it, I respect it. Because you have because I've I've already feel like I won like I won at the game of life, yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's like going back into it. It's like you lose all your control. You lose. You, they take your phone away. They tell you when you when you can't do anything. I'm like, mm. oh girl, I just like, <laughs> you know. But but there's still that love for the challenge, and there always will be that love for the challenge inside of me because it's just it's something that's been such a big part of my life and it's something that I still to this day enjoy watching as a fan. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of mental health concerns that come with it. And I will say that I do feel like the organization as a whole is really starting to tap into the fact that they need to do something about that side of things because they know how a lot of this stuff can affect us thank you thank you thank you my next question for you is right what is what are some coping skills you could recommend to someone that is struggling with their mental health and before janelle answers i always want to say this my coping skills janelle coping skills may not work for everybody but there are some coping skills out there that work for someone yeah Um, and you're right. That is true. Every, everybody copes in different ways. One of the biggest coping skills for me is talking. I like to get things off my chest. I always like to be able to process things and work through things by just 
getting it out, getting, getting it out, getting it off my mind, getting it out, getting it out there. Um, <clears throat> some other coping skills that work for me, I would say my number one coping skill, and this is just my, my daily life coping skill is working out. Like I feel so much better when I'm active. I also feel so much better when I'm out in nature, when I have sun on my face, when I'm just away from my phone and disconnected. Those are some of my top coping skills. Um, in the moment though, seriously dealing with something that's stressing me out, I would probably say my number one thing though is like talking out the situation. And I think, you know, it's it's nice when you can find someone that you know you can talk to who's gonna listen. And I have two people in my life that I know will always that are good listeners. My husband and then my good friend Tyler. Me and Tyler have become really close. And if there's anything positive that came from coming, going back on all stars, it's probably rekindling my friendship. We've, I mean, we've always been relatively close, but having gone back on this show, like in reconnecting with him, that's been like the number one blessing. Y'all been on the same season together. So that's always. Yeah. 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 Like she said, not everything works for everybody. Me, like I, I know people are big, heavy on meditation and I, tried it and it does not work for me but I could say I got like I can say talking to someone that you could trust and like I said earlier not everybody understands mental health so it got to be somebody that you could trust that's going to listen and not trying to fix 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 but listen um you said working out that is definitely a testament to people's mental health I remember the time I was working out every time I was depressed I would go to the gym and work out and I feel so much better um community that's important you know talk you know get into community isolation is not good and I feel like a hypocrite saying that because sometimes I love going to isolation but that's not always good you know you don't want getting your thoughts and getting your head feel like you're alone um journaling you know not even just writing journal you could voice journal if you got an iPhone voice note you could voice note have a voice note journal you know just make sure you find that right coping skill that works for you and only you mm-hmm. yes and Last question for you, right? Um, to the listeners that's listening, what can you tell them why is it important that they put their mental health first? Like most of us, we don't put our mental health first, right? We put others before ourselves. Can you tell somebody why it is so important that they put their mental health first? I mean, putting your mental health first is important because you can't serve for others until you serve for yourself. You know, you, you have to be, you have to take care of yourself first. And I learned that just as from being a parent, you know, it's like, I can't take care of my daughter and my son until I take care of myself. It is utmost important. And so putting your mental health first is important. Checking in with yourself is important. Just like you said, journaling, like at night, when I learned this from this course that I did, this class that I did. I write down my three wins of the day. Then I write down three things that could have been better. And then I write down three things that I want for tomorrow. And I do that every single night because it's just a reminder to myself that I, number one, I've won every day. Yeah. I've won. Like there are three things that I've done that have made that I've won. And then I, I leave room for improvement. You know, there are things that I wish I would have done or that I could have done. And I leave room for that improvement. But at least I know every night when I go to bed that I'm going to bed a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I love that. And I want to add, like, um, you got to put your mental health first because nobody's going to put your mental health first. Like, you are going to put your own mental health first. Mm-hmm. Be there for others when you're empty. You know, you have to let people fill your cup up you know you have to like like you said you can't you know what you the kid situation you said you got to make sure you're okay so you could be there for your kids and mm-hmm. that's so important for parents you know um I know we try y'all try to do it all y'all try to 
be this and that, but make sure you're okay before you are there for your family, you know? Yeah, but, totally. Like, I love that you said that because, like, I had a friend that was going through something. I think his dad died and his wife, they was, like, going at it. And I was telling him, like, I was telling her, like, you know, he got to be there mentally. This guy, you know, saying this and that, that he don't want to be here. He misses dad, you know, make sure he okay. And it worked. Like, she got it, you know? So, yeah. People, please put your mental health first. And I want to say thank you, Janelle, for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank oh, you're you. welcome. You are so welcome. Thank you. This is a great conversation. And I just love all the information, you know, the mental health we was talking about, but the information that you was providing for people. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I hope this could be beneficial to somebody out there. Sure will. <laughs>